You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Waterloo. To find out more, visit oasiswaterloo.org. So we're approaching the climax of the Good Friday story. It's likely that Jesus would have been hanging on the cross early in the morning. So by this time, he'd been on the cross for about six hours. It's 3 p.m. It's been unexpectedly, unsettlingly dark since around midday. And then Jesus cries out, Eli, Eli, lemma shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Today is a tough one. I'm going to put that out there right at the beginning so that you know what to expect. There's no funny stories today, not even a mention of any Welsh sporting achievements, because this is a difficult subject. It's a hard subject. I think that any of us who have been followers of Jesus for any length of time will have experienced times where we felt like God has forsaken us, abandoned us, or at least times where we felt that God was a long way off. Maybe you're going through that right now. If you are, know that you're in good company. There's a famous story about Mother Teresa who spent her life serving the poorest of the poor, and she did that because her faith compelled her to do so. She was held up as an example of a perfect Christian, but after her death a collection of letters were published that she'd written, which revealed that she'd struggled over decades because she'd felt totally disconnected from God. There are loads of reasons why people feel far away from God, some big, some small. Many years ago, Louise, my wife, and I volunteered as the student workers for our old church in South Wales, and I remember having long conversations with so many hormonal young adults about how they were considering stopping coming to church because of the breakdown of some relationship. I remember speaking to our old senior minister about it, and he said every year there's at least one student whose faith in the way in which the whole universe was made is dependent on whether a boy or a girl likes them. But there are more serious reasons too, aren't there? This next bit might be a bit difficult to listen to, particularly if you're grieving at the moment. But I think we've probably all experienced churches that shy away from the difficult questions, and here we never want to do that. So how do we respond when the really difficult things happen? Where is God in that? Has God forsaken us? A couple of weeks ago, I was in a church service with a load of Christians from other churches around the country. And the guy leading the prayers quoted from Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he said, so let's pray and ask God for things because he is a good God. And Jesus says, if we ask, it'll be given to us. I wanted to stick my hand up, jump in and say, "Um, hang on. But what about those times when I asked and God didn't answer my prayers? What about the most difficult of all times? Where was God then? What about when my auntie died of cancer? I asked then. My mother asked then. So why wasn't she healed? And how about when, just a couple of years later, another of my mother's sisters got cancer and she died? We asked then. Why wasn't it given then? Over the last few weeks, we've been running a book club reading through Brian McLaren's new book called Faith After Doubt. 
Brian talks about there being four stages of Christianity, and he describes the journey that we go on through these stages. He says that lots of us start with a simple faith, but then we move into a time of complexity, which leads to perplexity before we arrive at stage four, which he calls harmony. I feel like the pastor who led those prayers may be stuck in simplicity. Ask and it shall be given. What's more simple than that? Brian says that stage one is about simple trust, simple obedience, simple unquestioning loyalty. But I wonder what happens in the tough times. When something really hard happens in that pastor's life, what happens then to the simplicity of ask and it shall be given? Or how about if someone in his church comes to him because something hard's happening in their life and they've been told to ask God and God hasn't given them the answer they were looking for? The sad thing is that often people don't respond by moving through from simplicity to complexity, then to perplexity and end up in harmony. Sometimes people's response is to say, that's it for me. I'm out. Christianity is stupid. It doesn't work. How can these people be so gullible as to believe all of this? When the prayer isn't answered, it's simplicity and out. We haven't got time to go into this today, but we've discussed this idea of why God doesn't answer prayer like that a number of times over the years. And if you're interested to hear more about it, probably the most recent occasion was a talk that Steve Chalk did at Oasis Church Waterloo a couple of years ago. If you search back through the list of episodes of this podcast, you'll find one called God and Power. Eli, Eli, Lemma Shabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let's stay in this space just a little bit longer. Let's wrestle with this a little longer before we look for any kind of resolution, for resurrection. Now, there are so many interesting things about this verse. The soldiers around Jesus say, hey, he's calling for Elijah. Let's see if Elijah comes to help him. This is because Eli sounds a bit like Elias, which is Elijah in Greek. The New Testament's written in Greek. Jesus would have been speaking in Aramaic. And this line, Eli, Eli, Lemeshavachthani, is Jesus quoting from Psalm 22, which was written in Hebrew. So it gets a bit confusing. And when Elijah doesn't appear, the people around Jesus respond by offering him some wine vinegar to drink. And in both of the accounts of Jesus's life where they tell this story in Matthew and in Mark, it says that they filled a sponge with wine vinegar. And then they put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus. The fact that they put it on a staff is significant. Usually the crosses would only be a foot or so off the ground, so they would have been able to pass the sponge directly to Jesus. But the fact they had to put it on a stick and lift it up to him shows that Jesus's cross had been elevated off the ground to put him on show. This is what happens to somebody who tries to start a revolution. It's also the only time in any of the Gospels where Jesus refers to God as God. In every other instance, he calls him Father, our Father who is in heaven. Or even the previous night in the Garden of Gethsemane, my Father, if it's possible, take this cup away from me. But on the cross, in the hardest of all moments, as Jesus feels more separate from God than ever before, my Father becomes my God.
distant, separate. But I think there's comfort in this for us. Comfort in knowing that when things are really hard, when God seems so far away, we're not alone. Not only does the Easter Sunday bit of this story show us that we're never alone, that God hasn't forsaken us, but this line tells us that we're not alone in feeling like this. Not only can we take comfort in knowing that the saints and the heroes of our faith have all experienced the same thing, hey, even the ministers of your church have, but that Jesus himself had a moment where he felt distant. And also we can learn from these times. I've mentioned before the idea of liminal space. The word liminal comes from the Latin limens, meaning threshold. It's the idea of being in between things and not knowing the next step. Richard Raw, who's a Catholic priest and an author, he talks about this. He says liminal space is a unique spiritual position where human beings hate to be when you've left the tried and true but have not yet been able to replace it with anything else. But he also says that nothing good or creative comes from business as usual. Liminal space is the ultimate teachable space, maybe the only one. That in-between time, when we don't know where God is, when we don't know what to do to fix the problem, that's the time when we grow. That's the time when we learn things about ourselves. But it's also the time where we learn lessons that allow us to get alongside other people in their struggle, where we can say, yeah, me too. I've been there. Me too. So hold on. We're still in the Good Friday part of this story, but Easter Sunday is on its way. The resurrection shows us that however dark the darkness, the light will still overcome it. So hold on. Hold on. <laughs>